Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. Open line Friday on the show. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the show, you can text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Get the live stream, the podcast, the show notes, the internet links. Follow me around social media. Whatever you need. I'm going to be generous right now. And start this hour with a phone call relevant to the topic that I intend to talk about. I presume, based on the note that my call screener has left for me, I'm going to go to Thomas. Welcome to the show, Thomas. How are you? Hey, Eric. Thank you very much. Sure. I've got a loan now, listen, here. listen, Thomas, okay. you, you, yeah. you are, I'm starting a segment with you, so don't suck, okay? Okay, I won't. <laughs> listen, we've, so many, I'm glad it's just a national show. So many people agree with me that President Trump just needs to step aside, okay? Uh, you know, ego stands for edging God out. And they would build a statue to him in Washington if he would just say, you know what, I served as president, I'll be on all the calendars in fifth grade, I'll have my picture on there, but for the good of the country, please, I voted for the guy twice, and now it's time for him to reciprocate and give us back, all right? He just, he just needs to understand, you know, he just needs to go, okay? I voted for right. him twice. I stood out in the cold. It was 37 degrees the last time I voted for the guy, but I don't think he's going to do it. But I'm just pleading with Americans across the country to understand those hardcore 30%. It would really be good for the country to, to have a fresh start. That's it. All right, so Thomas, listen, you're going to give me hate mail, but I appreciate it, and this is relevant to the topic I wanted to start the show with. I didn't think this would be controversial, but it has become very controversial. Sean Hannity has invited Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis to debate. These are two of the largest economies in the nation. In fact, if California and Florida were separate countries, they would be in the G8 displacing some of your some of Europe's countries that are currently in the G8. That's how big their economies are. And people are fleeing California for Florida. California is going to lose congressional seats at the next census given its rate of population decline. Florida is going to gain more. And they are diametrically opposed philosophies of governance in their governor's offices. Gavin Newsom is unapologetically progressive. Ron DeSantis, unapologetically conservative. You would think that Sean Hannity was arranging a national political debate for presidential candidates that nobody wanted, given the reaction from the Biden camp and the Trump camp. The Trump team is beside themselves with fury that Hannity proposed this, let alone that DeSantis and Newsom are accepting it. In fact, uh, multiple surrogates from the former president have come out on social media and said, don't you dare watch it. The Biden team is furious as well, equally furious, absolutely furious that Gavin Newsom would do this. They have accused him of grandstanding and of trying to be some sort of party figurehead 
uh, replacing Joe Biden. The reality is that over 50% of voters in this country who are not affiliated with the GOP and the Democrats and a significant portion of those within would like candidates other than Trump and Biden. You may want Trump or Biden. Most Americans are really ready to move on. And the outrage over them merely debating, it's, it's, I, I find it kind of funny and also kind of telling. Why are you so threatened, Trump and Biden teams, that these two men, one of whom is not even running for president, might get exposure on television because it might show you what could be. There's, listen, whether you like Gavin Newsom or not, and I am not a fan, the man has ideas and he has a governing philosophy. The thing I like about Gavin Newsom is he's not an opportunist. He's a progressive through and through. Barney Frank is a, you know who Barney Frank was. He was an old uh, member of Congress from Massachusetts. I think he was the first openly gay member of Congress. I think he ran like a a, a brothel or something out of his house. He's just, I mean, not not a not a great person. Um, apparently very difficult to work with, not a nice guy. I was actually did TV with him once and I wanted to meet him because when he was in Congress, I was always admired uh, one thing he said and was told it was uh, Bill Marstaff and they were like, no, 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 no you, you don't want to talk to him. He's, he's, he's in a terrible mood. He's always in a terrible mood and, and he's not going to want to meet you. I was like, okay. But one of the things he said, it's one of my favorite quotes in politics, is do not be a moderate be a conservative or be a progressive because they stand for something and moderates stand for nothing. It's a great quote. He was a progressive. I am a conservative. I agree with him. Moderates really stick their finger in the wind, figure out which way it's blowing and decide what they want uh, and moderating their position. It's nice to have principled ideologues in this country willing to debate on ideas. And that Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis are willing to sit down and debate in a public forum where you and I can watch and hear an exchange of ideas that are diametrically opposed to each other, decide what we like. I, we should have more of this. I mean, y'all do remember the Trump-Biden debate, don't you? It was just two grumpy old men yelling at each other, both of them clearly constipated. I mean, it, it, what is the point of going through that again? Showing America what could be an alternative or an ideas-based debate. I mean, DeSantis, one of the things about DeSantis that, that gets him in trouble is he's a very wonky dude. DeSantis wants to talk policy. You know, the, the, the launch of his campaign on Twitter, I maintain it was a mistake, and I think I've been proven right, that launching his campaign on that Twitter space with Elon Musk was a disaster, and his campaign is now rebooting. But if you listen to any of it, it was like two hours of the most wonky debate. It got boring. But boring's not bad when he knows the details of the particular. So I just, I think having a debate between DeSantis and Newsom would not be bad. Uh, have philosophies. Argue over philosophies. The, the Babylon Bee has, of course, poked fun at this, that um, governor of the state, people are fleeing, wants to debate Governor of the state, people are fleeing too. It's a great headline. 
And it makes a good point. I mean, people really are leaving California. I got a friend, my friend Thomas, he and his wife are there um, vacationing. And, you know, Half Moon Bay, that area, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. If you've never been, uh, it's it's on the coast. And, you know, so j- just for perspective here, and I was an adult before I realized this. You know, the con- water currents and convection, um, they go clockwise. They go clockwise. So the Gulf Stream sends warm water up the East Coast, out across the North Atlantic, over into Europe, and then cooler water comes down uh, th- through France and, and Portugal, Spain, and, and around at the equator, and it circles. Well, the West Coast is the opposite of that. We're on the cold downslope. The cold water comes down from Alaska. You go get in the Pacific, the Pacific is going to be cooler water along the coast than the uh, Atlantic is along the East Coast. And that cool climate, it brings in fog and a lot of moisture, a lot of rain on the the upper uh, northwest. You go to San Francisco. I went to San Francisco uh, one time. I was running a congressional campaign out there years ago and was just absolutely flabbergasted by the evening news had neighborhood weather forecasts. You're in a single city. And they've got neighborhood weather forecasts because in San Francisco, it is not a lie to say that one neighborhood can be cold and rainy and three blocks over, it's warm and dry. And then the next three blocks over, it's foggy because you have this wild weather and, and you got half moon base. If it's gorgeous, it is absolutely gorgeous out there. And the hippies and the progressives have destroyed it. They find every beautiful place in this country. Look at Colorado. The progressives have just destroyed it. They take all the nice places and ruin them. San Francisco is a failed city. It's not even failing anymore at this point. It's failed. Los Angeles is failing. They have massive homeless camps. They have out-of-control drug, crime, gang, violence problems in California, failing education systems. Uh, Poor Hispanic and black kids are deprived good educations in the public school systems that are overrun with gang violence. Led Gavin Newsom be on television, and defend that. Let him. Let Gavin Newsom defend the intolerance of his state that puts in place a a policy that they won't spend state money to send people on trips to red states. Let him defend the intolerance and discrimination of California against those in the country they disagree with. Florida doesn't do that to blue states. I would love to see this conversation. I'd love to see this debate. I just find it uh, very interesting and notable that the Biden team and the Trump team don't want you to see it. They're trying to get it killed. They don't like it. They're opposed to it. They're offended by the idea because Newsom's not running and, and DeSantis is falling in the polls. So why should these people debate? Why shouldn't they debate? Two governors of two of the largest states in the country with two of the biggest economies in the nation that would be massive industrial superpowers in their own right if they were independent countries debating the values and convictions of their states in leadership of the United States is must-watch TV for anyone interested in politics. And yet, some in politics don't want you to see it because they think you're seeing what could be And they don't want that to get in your head. I am a small businessman. The company that I run for my radio show, it's a small business. I've got employees. I don't have HR. You may be in that situation and you may really need HR. Well, 
You may want to talk to Bambi. When running a business, your employees can create all sorts of interesting situations and they could get you in trouble. What happens when two employees are squabbling? One of them smells bad all the time. What do you do? How do you navigate the rules? With Bambi, you get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 a month. They're available by phone, email, real-time chat. Onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance. Your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. Let Bambi handle your employees for you. Their HR autopilot automates important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Listen, you want U.S.-based HR managers who give you experience, expertise, a personal touch you need to make it seem like they're a part of your team. They could cost eighty grand a year, but Bambi starts at $99 a month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type in Eric Erickson under podcast when you sign up. It'll help you. It'll help your company grow. It'll help you keep peace of mind. It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E. Bam. B-E-E.com. Bambi.com. Type in Eric Erickson. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Open line Friday, 877-973-7425. Back to the phones we go. Bob, you're up next. Welcome. Hey, good afternoon, Eric. I always enjoy your show. And I even, Rush Limbaugh I used to listen to, but I find you provide more supportive background to everything you say. And well, explain, you. the, like for the day, from the uh, volcano and the water in the atmosphere. That's not why I'm calling. I'm, I've lost credibility. I think our government's lost all credibility. I don't trust them, mm-hmm. especially the president administration. And I'm thinking that, you know, Biden's handlers may instruct the FCC to find if there's an obscure regulation that they could tell Fox they cannot present those debates. Um, okay, so they, they actually can't. There, there's actually clear, clear case law on this. Uh, the FCC regulates over-air broadcasts. Uh, since Fox is a cable network uh, and not actually an uh. over-the-air network, the the FCC cannot restrict their content. Ah, very yeah. good. Yeah. Well, so now they, they could try it if this was on like the Fox Network uh, TV that that's like the local channel. But since it's Fox News, the FCC doesn't have jurisdiction to be able to regulate their sort of content. Um, that's why, for example, if there's a news program and an, a bad word is uttered on a cable news channel, they, they don't get fined by the FCC. They, they have no regulatory control over that content. So, Bob, that, that's, that's, they'd be safe with that. Now, I don't think that Biden would because as much as the press is in the tank for Biden, let's admit it. I mean, the press is damage control for Joe Biden. The thing the press is most sensitive of is the government trying to tell them what to do. And you have, for example, when Obama uh, blocked Fox News from White House channels, this was a story back in the day, Obama blocked Fox News from being able to be accessed. Even CNN and MSNBC went to bat for Fox News on that and, and made the Obama administration back down. Um, they didn't want it advertised a lot, but they did because that they're they're self-interested. Craig, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Um, I got a uh, three, three-part comment about DeSantis, but I'll, I'll try to get it all in under 60 seconds. Uh, the first part is context as it relates to Trump. Now, if politics was a video game, Trump may have neglected the intelligence perk. 
but he put all of his points into charisma, and that's what sets him apart from everyone else is charisma. It's what endears him to so many voters. Mm-hmm. And an example of something DeSantis should probably do, I mean, this is just a corny, random example, but like I had a presser say if he's elected president, he's going to instruct the agricultural department to start making sure farmers stop rolling their hay and rolls because when they do that, cows can't get a square meal. I mean, that's, you know. <laughs> That's yeah, look, corny, I, but I mean, DeSantis, listen, um, say what you will about Donald Trump, any of you, and I've said a lot, he's got amazing charisma. Uh, the last time he called me to yell at me, uh, he wound up ending the phone call uh, bragging about his hole-in-one, and it was a deeply funny conversation uh, about his hole-in-one after he'd called to chastise me about something. This was, I guess, yeah, uh, a year or so ago. And he's he's just got amazing charisma. You you talk to the guy, even if you disagree with him on stuff, uh, you you come away laughing with the guy. Uh, and DeSantis can be a little bit too wonky. That that level of dynamic charisma matters greatly on the campaign trail. In fact, in an age of celebrity, charisma matters more than anything else. I would argue. And there are a lot of really good people who have lost elections on the left and the right because they were extremely dry and boring. You know, I I know a guy who one time ran a political campaign out West and the candidate was so dry and boring and disastrous on the campaign stage, they sent him to Hawaii on an extended vacation and they just ran a bunch of ads. He never debated, didn't go door to door. Uh, They knew the guy they were up against was a bit of a crook, uh, but the guy was also deeply charismatic and they were afraid he'd win. So they just sent sent their guy on vacation and ran an amazing campaign in abstention. The guy wound up winning uh, and was just a dry and boring politician, but he wasn't corrupt. Um, Trump is a heck of a charismatic character, and people love the charisma, and that matters greatly in campaigns. DeSantis, going to have to work on that. It, it's one reason so many people who were DeSantis people are suddenly drawn to Tim Scott. Now, I want to draw you to Patriot Mobile, patriotmobile.com slash Eric. It is a cell phone provider, and it grows the conservative movement. As their profits grow, their giving to the conservative movement grows. In return, you get guaranteed great service. They use the same cell towers you're probably already using. They're called a mobile virtual network operator, MVNO. Congress set them up and said, all you big monopoly cell phone companies, you got to let these smaller guys use your towers. Patriot Mobile is one of them. And their business model is to grow their profits and give greatly to the conservative cause. Veterans, first responders, the Second Amendment, the pro-life movement, conservative parents running for school boards against woke uh, school board members, and they've done a remarkably good job of it. You can call them at 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you 100% U.S.-based customer service. 972-PATRIOT. You get great discounts with them. But also, you're growing the conservative movement. You can take your existing phone number to them or get a new phone number from them. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K or 972-PATRIOT. Call them, tell them I sent you, get free activation, do business with a company that shares your values. Did you know China has made it a priority to teach students financial literacy starting in preschool? Financial literacy isn't taught in our elementary schools and parents lack the resources to teach it at home. American kids are yet again being left behind. Now there's a great way for parents and grandparents to help the kids they love learn about finance, thanks to The Sensibles. And at bcs-kids.com, The Sensibles are a team of animated superheroes who help kids age 6 to 12 develop smart money habits in a fun way. bcs-kids.com was created to channel this multimedia resource to kids everywhere. 
Buy a subscription for your loved ones, and each month, they'll get a Sensibles kit in the mail with an entertaining DVD, comic book, and activities. Digital subscriptions are also available. They'll also get access to an interactive website with a library of lessons, fun activities, and more. Want 20% off the monthly subscription costs? Visit at bcs-kids.com. Enter the promo code ERIC, my name, E-R-I-C-K. It's the sensible thing to do. Subscribe today at bcs-kids.com. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, let's go to the phone. Cindy, you're going to be up next on the Eric Erickson Show. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I've got a question you could somebody could ask Gavin Newsom. I, and it also talks about the DEI. Um, I saw, well, there are several doctors that are now suing the state of California over this implicit bias DEI training they have to take in order to renew their licenses. There was an interesting article by a black doctor that's part of the lawsuit who got his degree 50 years ago. And he signed, he says that this implicit bias training, and he's a black gentleman, that in itself is racist. So, yeah, look. I, I I agree with him. That that's actually a good question. the The entirety of DEI training is designed to make people like Gavin Newsom feel good about himself without actually doing anything. Um, and you know, Cindy, I, I got to say that this is this raises a larger issue for me. Um, if you have a degree in women and gender studies or queer theory or African American studies, like that's your major in college. You are probably a humorless, bitter soul. If you run DEI operations, uh, you probably lack a sense of humor. You're probably not a fantastic person. uh, And you probably smugly think you're doing a good job of educating people when really you're not. I've been through DEI training. And it doesn't matter whether you are black or white or Hispanic or Asian or male or female. Most of the people who go through DEI training at corporations, it's just something they have to do. You grin and bear it. You get through it. You try not to say anything or participate because it's just going to make it go longer. It's like, for example, on a Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock, everybody's ready to leave office. And the boss has the Zoom call at 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon. It's a 15-minute wrap-up for the week. And at the end of the 15 minutes, the boss says, does anybody have any questions? You know and I know the most hated person in your company is the person who shoots up his hand. At 4.15 on a Friday and drags out the 15-minute phone call because they want to kiss the butt of the boss. You don't ask questions at the end of the week wrap-up. And the same thing goes for DEI. You do not ask questions in the DEI thing. The people who are the, 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 the rubes who sit in there and say, no, what if I say this, but I say it in a happy tone? You don't ask questions in DEI because it validates the existence of the scam. 
Yet there's always that one person who finds it well-meaning and intentional. Nobody finds it well-meaning and intentional except that one person. And y'all all know who I'm talking about. You've all experienced it. The person's, I just learned so much and my soul is open. And everyone else, black, white, male, female, Hispanic, Asian, straight, gay, transgender, everyone in the alphabet from LGB to QIATP, all of you are just ready to be done with it and get out of there because you know you've got some chief diversity officer whose entire existence having gotten their women and gender studies degree and needing to pay their student loans back their entire existence is predicated on forcing you to go through this class and what it is is the ceos and the presidents of the companies and the general managers their vanity tells them that this is a good thing And they look themselves in the mirror every day knowing, gosh darn it, I'm such a good person. I made the bigots in my office go through diversity, equity, and inclusion training. And they feel good about themselves. The culture of the office didn't change. You still got sexual harassment. The culture of the office didn't change. You've still got racists. The culture of the office didn't change. You've still got people behaving the day after exactly like they did the day before. But you, senior manager and person with the women and gender studies degree, you sleep well at night because, gosh darn it, you did something. And it just causes more and more frustration with the workers. They have to go through more and more training. It's like, uh, let's just say hypothetically, someone at the office opens an email they shouldn't open. And viruses spread throughout the company on the email chains because they got an email, they weren't paying attention, and they clicked the link. And now everybody at the office, every month, has to take another stupid training program on how not to open potentially malicious emails. It just wastes everybody's time because one person at the office screwed up. Now everybody's got to go through this. One person at the office is a racist. So now everybody at the office has to go through the DEI training and the lawyers make you do it too. The lawyers want to be able to go to court and say, we have DEI training. We are not discriminatory bigots. Just our employees are, but individually and off the clock, not inside the job. Have you seen my women and gender studies degree? I wear comfortable shoes. It's just a scam. It's a scam by the credentialed elite so they sleep well at night. And that's why you have people like Gavin Newsom pushing it. And that's why you have the liberal elite of California pushing it. They somehow think they're going to re-educate you and curb your behavior. Folks, people are stupid. But not only that, the reason I am a conservative philosophically is because I am a Christian And I understand we are, every single one of us, a sinner. All of us are sinners. And I want as few sinners in charge of me as possible, which is why I support limited government. Liberals, on the other hand, they think that the sin can be beaten out of you. They think 
that they, not God, they can straighten your soul. And it amounts to the shakedown of the DEI apparatus. And, you know, they come up with stuff. They come up with unfalsifiable stuff that they just embrace. Like, for example, there there was the, um, in fact, you still see this all the time, the I, I, things that are white privilege, like the idea of being on time, the idea of showing your work, uh, the idea of time management, the idea of believing that hard work can get you ahead, that the, that's white supremacy and what white uh, privilege talking. There's literally no basis to say any of that, and yet it was embraced actually by white DEI people, and it was picked up by others. And, you know, uh, there have been a number of research who've gone back and said, where does this crap come from? Literally no research, just somebody pulled it out of their butt in a DEI operation and started telling it to people. And it, it was somebody, I'm sure they got a, a, a DEI degree in school, a victim studies degree. And now they've got all of their student loans premised on the idea that they must have a job. And you know what happens? It becomes a repeating thing. The chief diversity officers protect each other. I was actually in a closed door meeting a while back where I was getting briefed on all the ESG stuff. And the guy who was doing the briefing said he's talked to CEOs from Fortune 500 companies who are opposed to the DEI stuff and they can't stand in the way. They said the reason is because the chief diversity officer We'll declare the CEO a racist. The CEO will lose his job. The board of directors will oust the chief diversity officer. The CEO is out of a job and a pariah. This chief diversity officer now gets a gig at Harvard. Yeah, I have a lot of resentment about the DEI stuff because I have been forced since college to go through it. And it has always been a scam. My law school decided we all needed to go through DEI training. It was mandatory training for law students the first week of law school. And you had to go. You had no choice. And it's one of those things where you just check the box. The problem, however, is increasingly these these DEI scams want particularly the white men in the group to know they're the bad guys. And everyone else is the victim. And they want you in some way to repent. It becomes a struggle session from the left. And all it is is a way for bitter, malcontented souls who got victimology degrees in college to justify their existence. They have built an entire scammy national operation and quasi-crime syndicate of DEI garbage within corporate America and academia to try to pay off their own college loans by telling a bunch of white people they're bad guys and telling a bunch of non-white people that they are perpetual and forever victims. It has divided us. It is really remarkable that the United States elected its first black president, and we are more divided as a people today than we ever were before Barack Obama came. That's a really interesting thing. It's like the Democrats have needed, after Barack Obama got elected, they needed to push race and racism and push the boundaries of civic discourse because America could see, hey, you know what? We have now absolved ourselves of the original sin. 
We have elected a black president for the first time in this country. It turns out, gosh darn it, we're not nearly as bad as we were. And all of these outside DEI groups and race groups are like, whoa, 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 whoa. you're going to stop giving us money. Oh, my gosh, no. We've got to like, we, we got to pick the scab, pick the scab, make it worse. Send everyone to DEI training and make sure they know they're either a victim or a victimizer. Whitey's got to pay still because we got to keep the checks rolling in. And progressives and progressive political administrations and progressives in corporate America and progressives in academia have all bought into it. They've been shaken down and they're trying to get over their white guilt. And that's what Gavin Newsom pushes in California. It has nothing to do with actually waking people up to diversity, equity, and inclusion. It has everything to do with Gavin Newsom and the liberal elite being able to sleep well at night, knowing the situation has not changed. But gosh darn it, they did something and helped some DEI graduate with a women and gender studies degree who wears comfortable shoes pay off her student loans so she can stay angry but now can afford a razor to shave her armpits and legs. That's what we're dealing with in America right now. Total shakedown by these people. Yes, I do resent it because it's a waste of all of our time to have to go sit through all this garbage. Now, combating all of this and Bidenomics is Americans for Prosperity. Americans for Prosperity is actually on a road show across America fighting Bidenomics, explaining to people why it's bad and explaining what you as an individual can do to fight back against the ruination of our government and economy by the Biden administration. Americans for Prosperity wants you on board their team. Go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. You can sign up. You can be an activist. You can get educated. You can join the tour. You can go door to door. They teach you how. Go to your neighbor. Explain to them what's going on in the country, why Bidenomics is bad, how it's affecting the economy, how it's slowing things down and driving up prices. Americans for Prosperity will educate you. They will teach you the skills to be a great activist. They will teach you how to go to your city council, your board of education, your state legislature, even your member of Congress or your next door neighbor and give you the tools, the knowledge, the information to be a great persuasive activist. Americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Go sign up today. Become one of the over 4 million activists around the country who have signed on to fight for limited government, free markets, and free people, and against binomics with Americans for Prosperity. My kid brought me coffee. She's wonderful. She's going to be a senior next week. How do they grow up so fast? You know, so just random as an aside, and I know I'll get to your phone calls here in just a minute, I promise. But when I, when, when, when I had kids, everyone said, oh, they grow up so fast, they grow up so fast. I'm like, are you kidding me? All they're doing is pooping and crying. And now, like, we're here 18 years later. Like, how did you, like, become this this all semi-adult? It's just I feel old all of a sudden. All right. But school starts on Monday. Okay. Paul, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hey, Eric. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, you, are, you are a great man. You know that? Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. And you're very intelligent. I have a question for you. Okay, you, you, okay. Somewhere... You say that. You say that as if you're about to throw me a curveball. You're very intelligent. I have a question for you. Let's see if you can handle this curveball. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, yeah, I'm not intelligent, so I throw you a curveball. <laughs> oh, whatever. All right. So, what's the question? 
the question is, I read somewhere in the Bible that uh, where one or more are gathered in my name, you are technically with me. Is mm-hmm. is my assumption correct that uh, myself and the Lord's Son, Jesus, and him would be included in that? Oh, deep thoughts. Say, say, I'm, say I'm by myself, uh-huh. and I am in the Lord's presence and in Jesus' presence. Does that count? Okay, so what the language is, it's from Matthew 18, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Uh, and this is the, the, the idea of the church. Um, now, uh, obviously, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they, they are everywhere. Um, call on them, and they're there with you if you're there. Uh, what this specifically means is where multiple believers together uh, in worship, that they should understand that if two or more are together in worship, that uh, the presence of God is there. Um, he says in particular, truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is to the apostles themselves. I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Now, there are two meanings here. One is specifically he's addressing specifically um, to the apostles, but also the broader idea of the church that uh, when you get together and you worship, some supernatural thing takes place where the presence of God is present with those people and, and are they are filled with the Holy Spirit um, when they are together. Now, if you are just by yourself and you're praying, God's there too. Um, we're talking about separate things in the scripture between the church and the individual. And you got to remember, you're talking the individual's reaction with God in his presence and the church is multiple believers together in his presence. I hope that makes sense.